Welcome to Chevron's Lock to Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. Spoiler warnings, because we will be talking about whatever pops into our heads to talk about, about Stargate. And content warning, we do tend to curse and get a little... Talk about dicks. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> Jess talks about dicks. Okay. I talk about dicks to represent the majority. We all know what we're really here for is talk about Jack O'Neill's dick. And I'm here <laughs> to represent that majority. You're welcome. So, just in case in case you'd forgotten that that's what we're about, that's what we're about. No so, one forgot. This episode, we're discussing The Gamekeeper, which is season two, episode four. The story for this one is by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright and written by Jonathan Glasner. Those are names we're pretty familiar with by this point. It was directed by Martin Wood, who is also a name we've seen a couple times now. It originally aired 17th of July, 1998, and it brings back... Did we ever decide how to pronounce Kowalski's name? Jay Akavone. 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 I don't know if it's Italian and it's Akavone, but he's back as Charles Kowalski. We also have Janet in this episode. So that's Terrell Rothery and Dwight Schultz as the keeper. Mel, you got a summary for us? All right. So the synopsis is... On P7J989, SG-1 is attached to virtual reality pods where Captain Samantha Carter and Dr. Daniel Jackson are replaying Jackson's parents' death and where Colonel o Jack O'Neill and Teal'c are replaying a past mission gone awry. The man behind it, the Keeper, is keeping the planet's inhabitants from leaving. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that is that, that's the episode. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. We're done, right? That is <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that's how this goes, right? Uh-huh. Okay, bye, everybody. Thanks for coming back to our first podcast. <laughs> I know, but all I have is that they could go to this planet because they could have weapons that could be help them against the Gould, or they could be allies against the Gould. That's what I have. The episode opened on, like, map footage, right? Yeah. Like, they were in the middle of, like, a briefing, and mm -hmm. they consulted their alien encyclopedia, Teal'c, <laughs> which is now their apparent go-to as their plot device. Teal'c. Yeah. What do you know about these aliens? Can they help us? How about this? Tell, tell, tell us what you know. Yeah. Yeah, basically he said it didn't look like Goa Wuld tech, so that would make it like they're not likely to encounter Goa Wuld, I assume, but the, it did look like they had technology that might be worth investigating. Yeah. And they could be an ally against the Goa Wuld since they're not there. Yeah. I noticed in this scene, it was really quick. So Sam mentions like, hey, they might have tech. And Jack kind of looks at her funny when mm -hmm. she says that. And I was like, why are you look like, that's the whole point. <laughs> I thought that was your whole mission objective is to find alien technology. Yeah, there was a weird look exchange between them. I wrote that down too. And I was like, what is that look? She's telling you. Very strange. But yes, they do end up going to PJ. P7J989er. That's the one. That one. Yeah, that planet. So they end up going to the planet, P7J989. And they walk into like a room and they see all these people, like they see pods, and they see people. Hang on, sorry. Before we get to the pods, we have to get. There was a moment of Jack Snark that I that I grabbed. Oh, okay. Because they get there, and it's like a beautiful garden, and he says, but "Where there's a garden, there's snakes." He's not wrong. <laughs> I think I texted both of you because when they arrive, like right after that line. Daniel's like and flowers and then he like sneezes and there is like a cloud of spit that you that the camera picks up and I felt very triggered in these COVID times that we're in seeing how much 
spit <laughs> left his mouth. And then he like sneezed into his hand and all he did was just like shake his hand off to the side. No, no. We are in delicate <laughs> times. Hand sanitizer, boy. Hand sanitizer, get your mask on. Like, yeah, I was feeling a little like COVID sensitive about that. And also a good reminder that Daniel still has allergies. <laughs> this might be the last reminder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can only keep that up for so long, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Also, Jack was rocking a pair of bugaboos, which I just want to personally know, as very few men can pull that look off. And that is a man who can do it. Just pointing out the bugaboos, that's all. They need to be noticed. Thank you. Thank you. They go into the room. They see the pods where everyone's jacked in, as it were, as I throw back Mm -hmm. a 90s term. And so they they kind of look at the machines, and then they happen to go. Do they say anything about the people in the machines? I can't. Yeah, Jack has expressed his concern about like because well, it's creepy looking. Yeah, they're like covered in looks like black like they mesh like a shroud. Oh, yeah. that's right, that's right. And they start like poking at him. And Sam posits that it's maybe like a medical device, or that they're in suspended animation, and acknowledges that they are much more technologically advanced than we we are. Yeah. Just right. that the tech is way ahead of where they currently are on Earth. Then they walk towards, like, they, they stop, like, at these, the, the empty pods. Like, they stop right in front of them for mm-hmm. some reason. four empty pods <laughs> in a row. And they all stop directly in front of one. Yep, yep. And then I feel like they, they were talking about, they're t- probably talking about the the technological, technolo- te- hmm, how they were te- more... Anyway. Yep, you're getting there. You're getting there. Anyway, they get grabbed by these, like, wires pop out of the machine, and they, like, wrap them all up. In a very hentai kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah, so they they get grabbed, and they get pulled into those those pods, and they're wrapped up, and then, like, it hits their brain. It, like, wraps up in their head. Their temples. And then we hit the opening credits. Yeah. Pretty, like, light, cold open. Mm-hmm. And I definitely jammed out to the theme. I don't know if anybody else yeah. did, yeah. but, like, it's it was been nice a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And then we come back from the uh, from the opening credits to Jack and Teal'c in army garb, like, spec ops garb. Like, Jack has, like, a beanie on, and Teal'c has a beanie on, and, you know, they're just, like, out in the middle of nowhere. They're both equally confused about where they are and how they got there. Yeah. They weren't sure if it was, like, a time travel device or... Because Jack kind of notices where they're at. And he's like, I've been here before. Like, how am I here? It's in the past, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he starts asking Teal'c if the Gould have time traveling technology. And Teal'c is like, no, but they have been trying to, you know, obtain that sort of technology. Which I think is interesting that the Gould were even interested in, like, developing time travel or... I'd be curious to know, like, what would drive the Gaul to, like, get into time travel tech? I mean, probably just they're to serve their own selfish ends, like always. Like, oh, of course. Of course. Maybe you could go back in time and conquer a race before they were technologically advanced enough to fight you. Yeah. But it's just a cool, like, all right, the Gaul are, like, up to something or mm-hmm. that they're even interested was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, and then it gives us that option. Like, we right. don't know exactly yet what's happening. Right, right, right. Uh, then a truck pulls up, and Jack immediately, you know, gets in fighter, like, fight mode. And then the doors open, and you see Kowalski. Kowalski's back. 
I'm so and I'm happy like, what to the see fuck? you. Um, I love mm-hmm. Kowalski. And then Jack is, a, you know, Jack and Teal are both like, what the fuck's going on? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's dead. And they called Jack Captain. They yeah. did call Jack Captain, which I think is really cool. And Jack kind of got put in his place because I guess he was talking to his then commanding officer. Because, like, John? And like, that's Colonel D.U. And it's like, <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Now who's in charge? <laughs> it's interesting to me that that happened because he called him John. And you would think that they had that kind of relationship because he dies during this mission. So the fact <laughs> that he was like, it's Colonel to you, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? And then they had such a good, you know, a good relationship. Rapport. He's like, take care yeah. of my wife or whatever. And I was like, yeah. what? Weird. Maybe because they were in like mission mode. So it was- I think it's called narrative mode. And the writers were like, how can we tell... Uh, the viewers at home that Jack is like not the same Jack necessarily that that we know, mm-hmm. right? But we're back to Jack trying to figure out if it's a dream or if he's in the past or how they're getting these, I guess, memories. I guess out of his brain because yeah. he like tries to convince uh, John and Kowalski that like they've that's done not real th- or that's not something. real. We've done this before, right? And I think he pulls like, off he Teal pulls off. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, "Well, how do you explain this?" Bop, and then Tilk has hair. <laughs> <laughs> he looks and no tattoo. No tattoo. Rid- yeah, ridiculous. Whatever is a great wig. That, that <laughs> wig was so good. But then they go through the motions of the mission. Jack tries to. Oh, and they call him Thomas. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tom- Jack's like, mm-hmm. "Do you guys don't even know him?" And they're like, "What are you talking about? That's Thomas. He's been with us longer than you have." Okay. Interesting point of order. So this is supposed to be like a recreation pulled from like the keeper is recreating this based on the things that like jack that's in jack's head so my mm-hmm. question is has jack just like been daydreaming about like huh what would tilk look like with hair <laughs> or like it was and maybe there was a thomas at one point and the keeper was just like i'll put these two things together but i like the idea of like jack sitting at a briefing table and instead of listening to like hammond or daniel he's just daydreaming and imagining tilk with hair and that's where that image came from the choice to give him hair like i understand the tattoo not being there right but making him have hair was like okay yeah (laughs) especially because we learn that this is from jack's head so like yeah jack when did you fantasize about this <laughs> no i i didn't even think about that that's actually kind of funny <laughs> uh we go through the motions of the mission um jack tries to stop the ultimate outcome by like trying to tell him where the snipers are and mm-hmm. you know um just trying to change the information that he had now rather than rather than in the past i'll say it ends up not paying off uh because the gamekeeper who we don't, I mean, we don't know who's there yet, but the gamekeeper always changes the rules to mm-hmm. try and make the person in the narrative, you know, figure out how to get through it, which I think is weird because, like, I don't understand. Like, I get changing the rules, but, like, if you can beat the initial rules, why not let them have that first and then try and then have them do it again and then change the rules? You know what I mean? Not just yeah. keep yeah. constantly changing the rules. Probably entertainment value for his residents that we're jumping that we're jumping ahead to. I was just gonna say we also get like a t- kind of like a timeline point two for Jack's past. So this is 1982 East Germany, and he says 
because he's explaining to Teal'c, like, basically what's going on and what they're about to do, like, before they go on the mission. Right. And he's like, this is, like, he says it's the worst blown op that he's ever been a part of, which, hmm, I mean, I'm just saying last season we were informed that he was, like, there was a parachute incident and he was, like, shot out of a plane and he ends up an Iraqi war prisoner for four months. But sure, this was the worst. This tracks with Jack, though. Yes. It does. Because yes. he would definitely consider it a worse mission if someone else died mm-hmm. yes. than yep. him getting hurt and tortured. Mm-hmm. Listen, Chelsea Brown, the same wavelength I literally have as part of my notes, Jack's self-worth less than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't doesn't pan out. Uh, John, John, the lieutenant, ends up dying um, all over again. Uh, and then Jack says, fall back. They fall back. And then Kowalski was supposed to be behind them. And then all of a sudden, the truck comes back again. And it's just restarted all over. It's pretty fucking traumatic. Dude, like, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> like, you lived through it once, and then you had to live through it however many other times. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. go through this. And all yeah. for entertainment value, which we're not there yet. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Well, and and John's last words were asking Jack to... Take care of Barbara. Yeah, his for wife. Him. And you know he did. Like, I, oh yeah, it's not question. I would have loved like if if Stargate was a show that cared about emotional repercussions. This episode would have ended with Jack uh, calling Barbara and yeah. like checking up on her. But this is not a show that cares about emotional fallout. It's not it's gonna be. Is that gonna be like our number one? Uh, critique of every episode i feel like i mean i yeah, think it's probably. our number one thing we talk about the most is like is. this would have been completely traumatic and yet mm-hmm. the next episode they're like it's fine we're fine mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. fine well but again it would be such a little thing to just have even just not even the whole scene but just like mm-hmm. the hey, start barbara. of a phone call of hey barbara right mm-hmm. just checking in like but I feel the tone the episode changes from this is really traumatic too this is kind of funny <laughs> it just does have a tone it does. Shift. yeah it does the first note I have about when we changed to Sam and Daniel is what the fuck are they wearing? What, yes. what, what <laughs> Like both of them. They're both awful. What is that hoodie or whatever the fuck Daniel's wearing with some Egyptian looking shit on it? What is that? And what is Sam, Sam wearing? And Sam always gets so done I dirty. Love it. She gets done dirty all the time. It's bad. <laughs> it's a bad I color. It's a bad skirt. Loved it. Shut up. <laughs> What the color is so bad? <laughs> it's like a yellow gold. It was bad. Like a long brown skirt and boots that don't even fit her. There is so much, like, not fabric, but material of boot that are just like bunched randomly. Like her leg looks like a toothpick inside of like a giant bucket. It doesn't fit her. It looks ridiculous. It's a it's a it's a very weird outfit. I actually do kind of like Daniel's shirt though. It it feels like something he maybe would have worn back in his archaeology days. Probably. But again, this is coming from Daniel's mind. Who has he seen (laughs) in that outfit? He's been picturing Sam. (laughs) Why is he picturing Sam like that? I don't It's a bad outfit. Their civvies are not good for anybody. But I but I feel like Sam is the one that always gets done dirty. Like, the dirtiest. Like, they're not good most of the time. But, like, Sam is, like, always bad. Except for... What is the episode with the armbands? Upgrades? Upgrades? 
Yes. Oh, well, anytime Sans in leather. See, Chelsea knows. Good. Chelsea and I are on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> Sam also does have good outfits, like the dress in season nine, ten, the backless. Oh, gosh. And, and anytime she's in jeans, she looks good. Like, she gets her moments. Like, so, but but early Sam gets done dirty. That's fair. Well, and Jack does himself Ooh. dirty, because I'm pretty sure Artie <laughs> uses his civvy outfits in there too. All terrible. Yes. We were robbed of an RDA in fitted jeans and a fitted shirt. Listen, feed us. That's what MacGyver's for. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think that that RDA just maybe after years of MacGyver just really wanted to wear some loose jeans. Probably. They're not even loose jeans, Chelsea. They're (laughs) ten times the size. And they his shirts go down to his knees. I don't even know how he gets like he's a tall guy. Yep. Like how does he find shirts that long? He goes to the big and tall and gets the big and size. Big and tall. <laughs> okay, back to the episode. <laughs> Sorry, that well, look. This conversation is more interesting than the episode. Okay, it really is. <laughs> We're getting to my favorite part. <laughs> okay, so we we show up to Sam and Daniel, um, and Daniel's like this. Area looks familiar, just like Jack did. And then he realizes, like, he was here as a kid, and it's the New York Museum of Art. I said mm-hmm. that with a question mark at the end. And- okay, that's what he says. That is definitely not the New York <laughs> no. Museum of Art. It looks like a kid's version, which I guess would make sense. It would make but sense. It, yeah, but it looks like a kid's. It's his memory of yeah, the New exactly. York Museum yeah, of Art exactly. as a child. Yeah. But he's never gone back since. I mean, his parents maybe. died there. It's kind of rough. But this That's is true. That's true. Yeah, maybe he, he may not have gone back. That's yeah. true. <clears throat> so Daniel starts staring beyond Sam, and he sees his he sees his parents, but we're not 100% sure it's his parents yet until he says it's mm-hmm. his parents. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we basically just watch them get killed in rubble. Not rubble, but like pyramid things. I had to pull the clip. It's swinging. It's okay. It's fine. We'll be fine. Careful. You guys, (laughs) this is the most ridiculous death scene ever. It's so absurd. Like the fact that you would ever be standing under a giant rock as it's being lowered into place, like ever, that Mm -hmm. we would ever do that. And then that the columns don't seem to be supported at all Mm -mm. in any way. Like while you'd think you'd at least have them like with like buttressed up until you have the top thing in place to help hold it level. But then the fact that the wife is like, oh my gosh, it's swinging. And he like taps her on the shoulder. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We're mm-hmm. going to be fine. Like famous last words, uh-huh. you idiot. What in the world? It's like the most, uh, the most avoidable death I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. So, so not only does he say it's fine though, is when the top falls, he pulls her in to into it instead of out of it they go into it and neither, like, of them make any, neither of them make any move to like leap out of the way especially because once we like pull the camera out they're like three feet from the <laughs> from the the exit the entry point the big wide walkway you guys, Daniel dying on all the time makes so much more sense now like <laughs> I didn't even put that together, but that's amazing. In his blood. It makes so much sense. He lacks the ability to assess danger, clearly. That was well, an inherited I mean, we, trait. We know that already. Like, 
But the it's like I if if they hadn't already successfully reproduced and had a son, <laughs> Daniel, they would win the Darwin Award. Like it's this, pretty bad. this is so bad. I it's well, and like I think it was supposed to be that like that Daniel's dad was protecting sure. his mom when he pulled her, but it really does like. He pulls her away from where safety would have yeah. been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, he could have grabbed her and, like, jumped forward instead of mm-hmm. grabbing her and going backwards. Or shoved her. Yeah, uh-huh. or something. Even just, like, shoved now, her out of the... My next question is, why are they both under the big rock? Do you know what I think it is? I think they're like, hey, this is made of styrofoam. We'll be fine. <laughs> That's great. We need, a, we need styrofoam. a huge crane to move mm-hmm. a big thing of styrofoam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does kind of You're... remove some of the impact when you see like the pillars bouncing <laughs> off the ground because it's styrofoam. Yeah, it is. It's just like it's supposed to be this horrible traumatic moment for Daniel and Shanks is trying to give a good performance. And so is, of... and so is Amanda Tapping in all fairness. Yes. Like with the closing eyes and like looking away and like oh the horror but boy but i just laughed like yeah. legitimately i every time they replay that scene i just laugh because yep. it's so ridiculous it's so it's so ridiculous. and as we said it could be it could have been avoidable like 100 percent yes avoidable well so. but also even just from a story perspective if you're, you we know daniel was orphaned and actually i think if you consider if we think about because didn't it say in the movie that he was orphaned as a baby and then his adoptive parents died? So I think technically these are his adoptive parents, probably. Because hmm. I think his biological parents died when he was a baby. It's it, So maybe they can win the Darwin Award. <laughs> but, but they, we know that his parents were archaeologists. They couldn't have come up with a better way to kill them like yeah they probably traveled the world and did interesting things and then they just have them get crushed in a horrible workplace accident it, it was way yeah. cheaper than having to take them on location <laughs> um, yes that too i mean i'm only so flippant and like mocking of it one because it's not real and two because like it just i'm sure it's very traumatic for the character of daniel but it just looks fucking ridiculous like the whole thing and if and i think somehow like the part the clip that you played where like the dad shushes and like there there honey it's gonna be fine don't you worry your pretty little head off makes it worse somehow like a lot worse and so then it's like okay no you this is free reign like we get to make fun of this because this is ridiculous well i mean it gets worse in the second round whenever whenever we get to daniel yes yeah don't you worry i got points Okay, so after we see Daniel's parents meet their demise, unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to the big rock styrofoam. structure styrofoam falling <laughs> from the uh, thing, we go back to we go back to Jack and Teal'c. Yes, we mm-hmm. go back to Jack and Teal'c, and they try to you know they they do it again. They go through it again. They try to alter the plan one more time. Uh, Jack tries to tell John that there are people hiding behind the bushes. The lieutenant doesn't care. Runches out anyway, you know, and he dies again. But this with the time, exact same footage. With the exact same footage. Which, 
I did not well, realize but no footage of people on the roof. True. No. Yes. Oh yes. I forgot about now them. on the roof. I forgot about those guys. I truly didn't realize it was the same footage until you texted Mel. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, they're really good at recreating that whole scene. That's incredible. Wow, they're such good actors." And then you texted it. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm some a moron." <laughs> it's so evidently the same footage. So we go through that again, and then the truck shows back up. And Jack looks to his left and he sees like these people in like these like black robes with like these weird looking bales over their face. And he kind of hits Tilk and goes like, he points over at him and is like, what the, you know, basically, what the fuck is, who, who the fuck are these people? Mm-hmm. And, and we can kind of recognize them as the people mm-hmm. from the planet. Yeah. Like, basically, the when the loop starts again, John and Kowalski try and get Jack and Tilk to go on. Like, all right, let's go. Next mission, saddle up. And Jack's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, we're sitting out. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. doing this. And John's like, uh, do you want to get Section 8? Like, and I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. And basically, Section 8 is being discharged uh, from the military on the grounds of mental incompetence. So John thinks that Jack's losing his mind. And Jack basically turns to Teal'c after seeing now no other residents. And he's now, we don't know how many times he's gone through this loop, but he and Tilk are like, we're sitting this one out. And Tilk says, I hope this is the right thing to do. Because they don't know what's going on at this point. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they just kind of have to hope that they're not sending their friends into some kind of doom, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think I think Jack, I mean, and we know Jack has the right read on this, but yeah. I think he's clearly gotten the sense that it is some kind of sick game. Yeah. And you can't win it by playing it. Like yeah. I, and so I think, I think it's the like clearly he has the right read, and we know that based on how the episode ends. And I, I like I thought it was a really kind of actually emotionally mature decision for him to be like, no, I'm not gonna like keep putting myself through it. Yep, We're, I'm just not gonna play. Yeah, and he already did it once, like in the real world, and he's not gonna keep subjecting himself to the same thing over and over again. Right. Right. So, yeah. So, um, the Keeper, which is this guy. What's his name? Dave Schultz. Is that his actor's name? He's a Star Trek Dwight guy. Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz. All I know is that he's a Star Trek guy because I was looking for, like, behind the scenes stuff. And everyone was like, it's so nice to see Star Trek guy doing, like, cool Stargate stuff. So, that's all I know him mm-hmm. from. And the Keeper shows up and Jack basically confronts him and says, you know, who the hell are you and what the hell's going on? Um, and he introduces himself as the keeper. He says that he is in charge of all that is and all that might be. Um, and he basically tells Jack that, hey, like, I'm giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. You have thought about this moment over and over and over again and all the things you could have done differently. And I am gifting you this opportunity to see if any of those things would work. If any of those things that you've thought about doing differently would actually affect the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I I pulled a clip because I want to talk about his accent, if we... This was the most blown operation I've ever been involved with. What makes you think I want to watch my friends be killed over and over again? You have always wished to do it again, in order to do it. <laughs> I missed the better part at the end, but... There's a range of regions there. <laughs> I'm not sure what they were going. I think they're probably yeah. just going for like alien, but kind of like whimsical, foreign sounding kind of vibe. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about like this being for me? Daniel's memory makes sense. I could see that being like the one moment in Daniel's life that we know of so far. Maybe with the exception of like Shari being taken. Remember Shari? Remember her? I could see Daniel wanting to relive that moment. But what do you think about like the keeper saying that this is like the one thing that he's thought about the most and the things that he could do differently? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because you'd think his son's death would be numero uno. I I think they didn't want to make us and yeah. Jack watch like yeah. that was too far. Mm-hmm. We 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 weren't gonna replay a kid shooting yeah, himself right. multiple times. I I, th- I think that was strictly a that is yeah. not something we're gonna air. That's a good point on television. I didn't think about that. If they had done that, because like we know, like as an audience and everybody who's seen Stargate, we know that that's like a big pivotal moment in Jack's life. We know we knew about it in the movie. We we've seen it um, again in um, episode yeah. seven. Um, you know, so like we know about it, and I feel like if they had done it again in this episode, it would almost be the Spider-Man yeah. effect, where we always see Uncle Ben die because in the origin movie, or the Bruce Wayne effect, where we always see Bruce's parents die yeah. in an alleyway. Like everyone knows, there's no reason to keep putting it. I guess in it kind of loses like impact too. It's almost more emotionally impactful if it's like just the elephant in the room. I guess. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a level of that the keeper would probably be interested in choosing something that has the most like yeah unique scenarios that could run in terms of so when it comes to Jack's son he's probably mostly just replayed in his head eight million times right. like locking his right. gun up or something right. right like there aren't that many things that he's probably thought about changing in his yeah. in his head about that. But with this mission, I'm sure that he's like, maybe I could have looked at the surveillance better. Maybe we should have asked for another flyby. Maybe we should have done this. Like, there's probably a lot of questions that he had in his mind at that time and in the years since then. So it might be something that the keeper saw as a more replayable. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because I think one of one of the lines the keeper tells Jack is because I wrote it down. He says, there are so many different fantastic scenarios you could try, like as an enticement for Jack to keep playing the game. Which I wrote down and then put in parentheses, mm-hmm. aka the fanfic motto. There's just so many different <laughs> fantastic scenarios you could try. Oh, it looks like I got my mm-hmm. notes out of order. So that this is the moment when Jack and Tilk basically say, "We're not playing your sick game," and they and they sit out. Um, mm-hmm. and then we flash to Sam and Daniel again, um, which just made me laugh because we jump immediately to Sam basically explaining the plot point and be like guys i figured it out what i think this is is a virtual simulator and we're just reliving this moment with different scenarios like she basically explains the majority of the plot yeah i thought they actually did a pretty good with it though a good job with it though because they have her comforting daniel like it's in the context of she's comforting daniel and reassuring him that it's not real right And, and like that that he because cause Jack and Teal'c initially thought it was maybe a time travel thing and maybe right. they could change something. And so I assume that maybe Sam and Daniel thought the same thing. So Daniel's sitting here thinking I had an opportunity to save my parents and I failed. And so Sam is basically saying, yeah. this is, I don't think this is real. Like, the, you're, you're, those are not your parents and they didn't just die again. Yeah. Like, and I guess Sam has the super brain to put together, hey, we just saw this virtual pod with a tech that I know exceeds our own. This doesn't feel right. Like... This that's what makes sense. I just thought it was funny. That- well, and they they see yes, the ghost they see them much too. faster. Yeah. yeah, they see the residents uh, before 
so as that's happening, Daniel, um, you know, kind of brushes Sam off and is going to try one more time to, like, save his parents. And his strategy, now, again, I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack because this must be very traumatic. Not sure what's going on. However, he stands at the entryway and he just says, I'm really hurt. I broke my leg. Now, you'll notice that I said (laughs) he stands at the entryway to which his mom or adoptive mom, whichever, rightly says, honey, you can't be hurt that badly. You're standing. Now, Daniel, (laughs) if I was given the opportunity to save my parents and I know that they're about to be collapsed under a big thing. I feel like my move would be to, like, yank them, pull them out, stop the crane operator. Thoughts, feelings. Well, hold on, though. Hold on. Uh, I'm holding. Hold on, though. He tried to pull, he tried to pull his he? mom out. And How hard it, did he try, And though? then his dad, and, and then his dad was like, Daniel Jackson. <laughs> rah, 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 rah. So, like, I mean, his dad's a fucking asshole, sure, first off. Sure. Like, I got that vibe, <laughs> like, real quick. But, I mean, he tried... Did he? Did he, Melody, did he try his hardest knowing that his parents were about to be crushed and the best he could come up with is I'll tug on my mom's arm a little bit and then tell her that I'm hurt and my leg is broken while I stand in front of her? Okay, but Your Honor, I rest my case. Hang on, hang on. They see him as a child still. They don't see him as an adult. So maybe in this scenario, he only has the strength that he had at whatever age he was at. Oh, uh, maybe. I'm maybe. still questioning. So so Daniel's parents die again because Daniel didn't save them. Uh, not that I'm blaming him in the same way that Jack didn't save his people again. These are just things that we're trying that didn't work out. But I feel like one of them tried a little bit harder than the other is all I'm saying. <laughs> so... So Daniel and Sam watch his parents die again. And, um, you know, I, I will give Shanks this. I do feel like in this particular moment, like, because you keep hearing, I think the screams are the worst part. Like, I think it's hilarious mm-hmm. visually, but it is upsetting, like, mm-hmm. from an audio perspective, hearing them scream. No, when I pull, when I was pulling the audio of it, yeah. I was like, no, I'm not. Like, it's upsetting. It is actually, it, it's the visual Funny. that makes yeah. it play funny it's not like for like to be clear it's not actually funny like both of his parents died it's a horrible traumatic moment but they really yes they do look funny that's the only thing that i'm really like mocking i'm not mocking daniel's pain because i do think in this next scene shanks does pull off the like like he's visibly upset and like frustrated and feeling helpless and i genuinely believe that like he felt and looked traumatized i was just gonna say it so at this point, they've already spoken to the keeper, no, too. No, not yet. Not, Sam, and, Sam and Daniel well, haven't. They have just well, seen. Right. So Sam catches out of the corner of her eye uh, those uh, the residents. But they have, they're have they about to speak to the keeper. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. as Daniel's okay. kind of coming to his breaking point, um, the keeper, and, he, and Daniel's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And the keeper is the one who kind of emerges from the shadows essentially and says the whole point of this is to allow you to make a difference to do the things that you finally said you would do differently so the keeper um after explains like hey i'm giving you an opportunity daniel like the the loop is starting again by the way like as the keeper is talking to daniel and sam and explaining his master plan his loop is restarting and his parents are 
calling in the crane again and like they're about to die again and daniel basically grabs the keeper and and says damn you stop this game now um that's a direct quote um but shanks delivers with all his shakespearean talent um it's a pretty cheesy line but you know again i feel for daniel in the moment so i'm gonna give shanks a break because he's working with a kind of neat script and situation mm-hmm. um and then like out of nowhere like jack and tilk appear they're on scene now the keeper's like all right i guess we're gonna bring you mofos all together well because no one's playing yeah, it's because Daniel refuses. Daniel does yeah. the same thing that Jack did, and he's basic. And he says something that I like. I think it shows us like how intelligent and intuitive Daniel is. Where he says there are infinite options yeah. and zero solutions. Like, and so he's mm-hmm. figured that out pretty quick. That like, I'm I'm not going to win this game. Like, there's no winning at this game. But there's a moment that is actually I really loved right before Jack and Teal show up, which is that it's. Daniel has decided he's not participating and the loop is mm-hmm. is going again and and it's getting to situation critical and Sam sort of like motions and says to Daniel yeah. like do you want me to try and like and and he basically uh shrugs her off and tells her no like they're not they're just not engaging but I thought it was really sweet that Sam's like she couldn't just watch Daniel's parents died and wanted to try and fix it. And I thought that was a nice moment yeah, for those two characters. I, that is a good moment. Yeah, Sam got to display a lot of empathy, I feel like, in this episode for Daniel, which is which was nice. The little science bros. Um, so yeah, so Jack and Tilk um, show up. SG-1's reunited. Jack basically tells the Keeper, we want to get out of here. Like, fuck off. Like, we want to go free. Let's get out of here. Pull the clip of the Keeper criticizing them because it just makes me laugh of like how far off this is is on the human race what a very stubborn unimaginative and non (laughs) (laughs) like you can say a lot of things about humanity stubborn i'll give you unimaginative and Mm -hmm. non-competitive yeah mm, there's a difference (laughs) i feel like those would all like he's mistaking trauma and like emotional overload thus causing a lack of engagement for like oh your whole race is fucked like you're boring (laughs) i mean maybe they don't have that in in their society maybe they don't have trauma or emotions as we or so maybe i was also thinking they've yeah maybe that's why he thought it would be fun for them maybe or or they're so desensitized because of what they've gone through you know for what two thousand thousand years a thousand twenty two years. years. So I mean, maybe they're just yeah. desensitized. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is maybe they're just like mm-hmm. they've forgotten how to feel, and they're reliving. It's kind of like when you eat the exact same meal over. There's like a law of diminishing returns, where at some point you just stop enjoying mm-hmm. that thing you used to enjoy. So like, that could be an element of that too. So Jack yep. is demanding that they go free. The keeper's trying to convince them. No, no, no. This is great. I love this. I don't know if you pulled this, uh, Chelsea, but Sam goes. But how? How does it work? I don't care how it works. I just want out of here. It's great. I love them. Always on the quest for yes. new scientific things. Which is like what they went there for in the first place. So really, you know. Right. But yeah. I but I mean, though, but what, how? I, I, well, I mean, I guess it could help. I guess that technology could help. Yeah. Well, but and even the thing is that I, I really yeah. understand both of them here because Jack's priority is get us out of this Horrible he's been traumatized situation. but sam's yeah. 
Yeah, he's been traumatized. But Sam, I think she's seeing this from two angles. I don't think this is just scientific curiosity of, I want to know how it works right. because it's interesting. It's also could help yeah. her get them out of it. Like right. information about how this process works can help her solve right. the problem that they're in. And the gamekeeper or the keeper, he's thinking he just, he just calls himself the keeper. Um, he basically says that his residents um, are plugged in those, those pods that we saw uh at the beginning of the episode, nourish their bodies and um, keep them alive. Um, and they basically live in this network. They've been in here for about a thousand years, give or take 22 years. Um, and that essentially they use a network, like the residences, memories and experiences is like what they use to create their environments. And Daniel puts it as, um, Imagine you're locked in a room for a year with five movies and a VCR. Like, that's essentially what they've got. And so they're desperate for another movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He calls it a software update, too. Yeah. Like, we're a software update. So, like, it's a kind of a cool concept, actually. Like, once it's kind of revealed, like, it's not like it's just a, a Groundhog Day episode. It's kind of a cool concept. I was going to ask you what guys, what movies, what five movies would you bring in your locked room for a year? For sure, Jurassic Park and Casablanca. Those are like Casablanca. Interesting. My my top two movies that I could watch over and over again. Then Jurassic Park was also going to be in mine. So is it going to be in mine too? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Jurassic Park. The Lion King. King, (laughs) uh, Empire Strikes Back. um, uh, The Maltese Falcon. uh, The Maltese Falcon. And um, the new Jurassic Park movie that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're really banking all your uh, I'm ba- hopes I'm, on I'm Ellie on and I'm, Alan. I'm, I'm banking. I'm banking. <laughs> yeah, I would also do Jurassic Park, Sound of Music, Beauty and the Beast, Lord of the Rings. Mm, Which Fellowship. Lord of the Rings? Fellowship of the Ring or Two Towers. Fellowship. I was going to say, I would go with Two Towers. I love Two Towers, but there's something about like the first movie that like is so magical. And that last scene of Fellowship always gets me. Mm-hmm. And then my last one would probably be like some cheesy rom-com like You've Got Mail or something. Mm-hmm. Or like While You Were Sleeping, which is like my oh, all-time so favorite. Good. <laughs> is While You Were Sleeping going in your top five? I don't know. Like I said, I can I can give you Jurassic Park and Casablanca with no with no thought, but the other ones I don't I don't know for sure. I Five. I while you were sleeping might might be in it. The man who knew too little mm-hmm. probably is one of my most like it makes me laugh every time that I watch it. I love that movie cuz I would definitely need something to make me laugh. See, I almost put Princess Bride for that exact same reason. <gasps> that is a good one. Can our rooms all be next to each other? And then can <laughs> we just go visit each other's rooms so we can share our five movies? Then we wouldn't need to all not all take Jurassic Park. That's, that's true. true. We gotta that's be true. Only one. Only one Jurassic Park would be needed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I thought that was interesting. I like that Daniel put the, like, put it into perspective, basically. It was fun to think about for the rest of this boring episode. The Keeper also says that they could only tap into Jack and Daniel's memories because Teal'c has the symbiote in him and there was something um, blocking him. So that basically 
And Sam, there was something about Sam also that he couldn't access. And he referenced it as he could have an input but no output. Um, mm-hmm. So they could experience the network, but they couldn't contribute to the network. Um, and we're basically led to ex- um, understand that this is because of the Goal Old. There's something about because um, Tilk says that Sam is probably experiencing effects as a result of Jolinar. Uh, inhabiting her so that's mm-hmm. what they shared together it's kind of the first hint we get of sam being immune to certain things or having some kind of lingering after effects of jolinar mm-hmm. which is well cool. yeah so my question for you guys about that is in the writer's room what do you think was the reasoning behind that like i assume that they decided they didn't want to do it for all four of them that they yeah. would that they wanted to be able to pair them up so first of all they wanted them to be able to experience it with each other and also from a time perspective if you're replaying them replaying four different loops would be a lot more difficult in a 42 minute episode so i I understand from a storytelling perspective why they wanted to only do two of them so why do you think they decided jack and daniel were the memories they were going to revisit well i have a less forgiving answer probably for the writer's room so I'll let Melanie go first. <laughs> is it racism and misogyny? <laughs> well, it sure is, Chelsea. It sure is. <laughs> it is incredibly frustrating that we have a... We have learned so much up until this point. Uh, even though this is a show about this group of people, we have learned so much about Jack and Daniel. And they have a past. And like we've seen them as characters. We know so much about them. And we are, like, hungry for, like, Sam and Teal'c info. And, and, it is a particularly bad look when you have two men, two white men, and then you have a black man and a woman. And who has the convenient reason they can't, like, experience any backstory? Oh, they're, they have a symbiote. They have a symbiote thing. What the fuck? I think it's stupid. I think it's really stupid. I mean, okay, I agree with you. And I had the same thought. I had the same thought. Now, I do think that it is a convenient plot device that we can say because they have ghoul, they had ghoul technology in their blood. presumably. Yeah, na- yeah. They, they, they had Naquita in their blood, therefore they weren't able to, you know. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, there's no but. I, I, I agree with you. I do feel like... Uh, we should have gotten the Sam and Teal backstory. Um, I do think, though, that they possibly went Daniel and Jack because it's so early in the season and because they're the most known character, you know, because they were in the film. And then, you know, Sam and Teal are technically new, which, again, you would want to have them. We've had 22 episodes! Look! Look! Look, I'm not I, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it was the right decision. I'm just telling it, you that's why and maybe it was cheaper because to do Tilks, yes. maybe you would have yes. to recreate Chulock and Sam's I would assume would be her mom's car wreck. You're like yeah. the you know, I I say that, I don't know, but um Or maybe agreeing to marry Jonas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with you. I was going to say the only thing I would give them an out for is cost because Jax was in a field, probably in a house in Canada somewhere that they were just like, neat, that'll work. And Daniel's is all made of styrofoam. So like, but but I still, 
I think if we all noticed it, that Jack and Daniel are getting... I felt like it was a cop-out. We know too much about Daniel and Jack to make it interesting. I would have been more interested in Sam and Teal'c. Yeah. I I agree. What is it I, you I said, Chelsea? Like if, it, if it looks like sexism and racism, it probably is sexism and racism. Maybe not, <laughs> like, overtly. Maybe not, like, overt. Like, like there's different kinds. Like, there's... It's not like a social class, but like there's like scales and gradients of like racism and sexism. And like there's like a malicious, like overt, I'm doing this because I hate women or I hate, you know, people of color. And then there's like that subconscious, like, oh, it's so hard to write for women and black people. So I'm just going to write for these white dudes with characters and I can be kind of lazy about it because the audience already kind of knows who these people are. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I get, so, I'm not making excuses, but it is 1998, no. 1999. Yeah. So we're still Wait, well, like, I, we're still getting I'm there. I'm not guys. calling still out getting... Jonathan Glassner no, or Brad Wright. Like, no, I, I, I agree with you, Jess, that I think... I think that there are definitely times where, I mean, because I've definitely been guilty of even sexism. Yeah. Like, and racism and all other kinds of bigotry. Yeah. And I, I can honestly say from my own perspective that I've never been, it's never been malicious. Like, I don't hate anybody and, or especially based on like, what kind of person you are or any dogmatic reasons. Right. And so it's, so I, I try, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially because like, I love this show and I think they do a good job on so many things. And I love the other things that Brad Wright has done too. Like I, I'll, I give them the benefit of the doubt for sure, but it's one of those things that it's like, once you start seeing it, you can't stop seeing it. Yeah. And I was reading that about like once you see that women get punished in fiction for having sex, like you can't, yeah. you can't stop seeing it. Right. And and it's and and again because I don't I I think you're right. I don't think that these men are are creating stories and going. I'm gonna punish women and I'm not right. gonna tell women's stories as much. It just happens because that's the culture that we've all come to accept and expect. Right. And so. I don't attribute any malice to it, but it's hard not to see once you start seeing. For sure. And I was looking for, it's so funny you say that too, because like, so like after I finish watching the episode, I usually like, I'll go on Reddit or I'll go on like, uh, um, like Stargate Wiki and I'll go to my little handbook. I'm looking for like cool, like behind the scene facts or whatever. And like, as part of this episode, there was a Reddit thread that someone posted and was like, so like, and they kind of brought up the same things that we're talking about right now about, like, it would have been way cooler to have seen, like, Sam and Teal'c, especially Sam, this person posted, because we don't really know much about her. And we actually don't learn much about her throughout the entirety of the 10 seasons. Like, when you really get down into the nitty gritty, what we canonically know is so light, which is really true. And I hadn't thought about that. And then I was sitting there, like, on my couch, like, oh, my God, this character that I love and I love for a lot of reasons, I actually don't know that many, like, facts about her. Like, the story doesn't... Basically, fan fiction save the day for Sam Carter, in my opinion. I just feel like she's a cool, amazing woman, but, like, doesn't get the same love and attention backstory-wise or character-wise that maybe some of the other characters get. 
Yeah. And and neither does Teal. Like, yeah, for sure. At least Teal gets his like he gets his cool story arc. Jaffa and story arc. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I said Jaffa. Jaffa? Jaffa. Jaffa. I've lost it's, the it's, word. it's not Jaffa Cakes, no. It's Jaffa. You Jaffa. I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> um anyways, so just something to think about. Like and and, and like Chelsea said, like we don't mean it as a as a um, like a oh fuck this show and like this is the worst but just as like as a criticism that i think is valid and one of those things where it's like i can we can love sg1 and we can appreciate brad wright and martin wood and jonathan glasner and all these people but we can also be like that was kind of shitty like maybe Mm -hmm. not the best move to make in retrospect yep um all right moving on so the keeper explains that salmon tilt can't be accessed um and i think it's jack yeah, I think Jack basically says, listen, losers, how about you, like, go get some experiences of your own? Like, get out of this network, mm-hmm. go, like, smell the flowers, stop living other people's experiences, and get your own. And the Keeper says that they can't leave their chambers and that the world outside is uninhabitable. And the Keeper says that there was this great catastrophe there um, a thousand years ago. His people destroyed their planet, and this was, like, their escape to continue their existence. Of the few people that survived. Yeah, yeah of the people that survived. Because there's not very many. There's, like, what, 20? If that? I don't know. We, we I, don't I know. Count. There, there could like be seven. more. Yeah. We saw yeah, that seven. We see. Yeah. 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 It's however many extras they could hire for this episode. Um, And so, basically, yeah, the Keeper basically says that they're not going to leave their pods. They're going to stay here where it's safe. And they don't want SG-1 to leave because they want their experiences. Um, And then Jack basically threatens him and was like, well, we want the fuck out of here. So we're Mm -hmm. leaving. And then, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's not true at all. Jack starts to say, it's great outside. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's healed. Like, the sun's shining. There's flowers. And, like, as Jack is saying this. The keeper's like, okay, goodbye, and, like, claps his hands, and uh, SG-1 wakes up in their pods. Yeah, so then they, they wake up, and the things, like, are detaching from their bodies, and Sam goes, well, that, does anyone else think that was way too easy? Mm-hmm. And they're all like, yes, but then they just get up and leave. Like, they don't even address the fact that it was way, <laughs> way too easy. Ja- yeah, Jack agrees, but he doesn't care. No, he wants to get the fuck out of there. Yes. So then it cuts back to them in the infirmary. They're all four being examined. Janet notes puncture wounds on their temples and spines and abdomens where they must have been getting life support. But there's no permanent damage that she can see. And and I love that one of the things she mentions is that their their like pupil reflex or their pupil dilation is normal, as if like oh, your pupil dilation is normal. You're fine. Like <laughs> the pupils oh. know all. <laughs> but again, that's like Jack's interpretation or somebody on SG1's interpretation of how the medical exam goes the pupils are okay so we're okay which is which totally fits with how jack perceives (laughs) janet so then it cuts to the briefing room and daniel is talking about how he wants to go back and free all those people who are basically being held prisoner by the keeper because they know full well that they could be released and be living in their planet and uh jack and hammond think it's not really any of their business and hammond kind of takes a like a an aloof approach to it. It rind, reminded me of when he's like, the U.S. government isn't in the business of intervening in other people's affairs. Like, he kind of takes that tactic again, and it makes me laugh. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And then Janet worries that removing the people could be dangerous to them because it's they're on life support. And I, I actually think that that's a valid 
concern if they've been on life support for a thousand years and we don't know anything about the technology disconnecting them could be catastrophic for sure and if this is actually the keeper it gets kind of meta because we know this isn't real reality yeah. so this is the keeper telling them that like what if that was true mm-hmm. yeah we, we don't know we don't know so hammond basically says he wants intel and teal is like well we'd have to go back and we'd have to go back into the the system. And Hammond is like, yeah, let's, we should do that then. And Jack is like, uh, <laughs> no. And we get a great, a great Jack clip here. General, without meaning this time to sound like a smartass, are you cracked? It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good line. Uh, it's pretty great. And I love that, that that's Jack's reaction. And at this point, so I think Jack is already suspicious because they already were like the second they woke up, Sam was like, that was too easy. So I don't, I don't think Jack was ever really buying it. No. Um, but there's, there's still a chance. Like he's, he's saying that and behaving that way, not being a hundred percent certain yet, whether or not that's actually Hammond. Mm Mm-hmm. Hammond sees it as valuable and is like, you can't die in there. I don't, whatever. And they're like, we don't know that for mm-hmm. sure. Like, and they're, they're like, we don't, we got out last time. We don't know if we'd be able to. And he's like, oh, if you're gone too long, I'll send an SG2 <laughs> to pull you out. And then he's like, I think it sounds like fun. You can use, you know, like it's fun virtual reality world or whatever. And then he let, he says that maybe you could see your son, which is. Oh, RDA's face, BT dubs in that scene. Like. It looks like his whole face goes slack and like, like he can't believe Hammond just said that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and then he tells Doctor Jackson that he could visit ancient worlds. We, I feel like we already, we already went. <laughs> we down covered that road. this. Yep. And yep. it's, we, it's not. We're actually not quite to the part where he tells. Yeah. Sam that she'll never. Anyway, <laughs> so they're all really suspicious, and Jack like goes over and is like looking for the mask on like he just. <laughs> being such a smart ass uh i would have killed for uh behind the scenes footage of rda and don davis doing that scene over and over and over again and just seeing like what did rda do to try and get like don to crack basically yeah oh i'm sure that there was some of that especially because then what we get is the i don't think so bucko <laughs> and he's like tapping him on his head and, like pulling on his ears <laughs> Thank God that it wasn't really Hammond. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's it's a pretty great moment. And I love that, like, Jack is generally pretty good at spotting bullshit. when things aren't. Yeah, that's spotting bullshit. And he. he and uh, one of the tells is when Hammond refers to the residents. He says, mm-hmm. like, the residents. And then they're all like, wait a minute. So then they get for their insubordination. They get dragged off to a holding cell. And Daniel's like lying on the top bunk, <laughs> just like <laughs> chilling. Uh, Jack is certain that it that that's not Hammond and that this is all fake. Still, the others like seem to maybe be like, okay, did we just ruin our chances on SG one a little bit? But then, as they're discussing this, one of the guards turns around and it's Kowalski, mm-hmm. and um, and he's like, ah, it's not so bad. You could have fun, and it's clearly like the keeper talking to them as Kowalski and he and yeah so he's then says like I used to make you all laugh like 
don't you guys miss me? And uh, I miss I, you, I, Kowalski. Yeah, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he's like, I could play street hockey with you. I made you laugh. And he says to Sam, you would never grow old, which again. <laughs> Yikes. Wait, but Melanie, you had a good response to this. I did. I said, so y'all were like, y'all, y'all didn't like that response. Um, I don't t- particularly like it either, but I do feel like, I mean, he said that because they can't get into Sam's memories. So Sam can never like really relive any of her memories. All that she can do is live or see other people's. So maybe just saying you can grow old, you can't grow old in here. It's like a generic, like maybe appeal, a generic appeal. Yeah. It's kind of the only way he has to sell her on it because he can't revisit her life. Which, like, I remember thinking, like, as I texted you guys that, like, as I was texting, I was like, oh, that's because they don't have anything else to pull from to entice her. But still, it's an unfortunate, again, it's, like, an unfortunate, like, uh, it's just unfortunate that it said to Sam. But, but I mean, but, so, I mean, put yourself in the writer's shoes. What what would you have put there if, if you could? So, I mean, that's really all you can say. Yeah. Well. There, there really isn't an enticement then for Sam to stay. Right. Well, so, the, he doesn't have access to Sam's memories, but he has access to Daniel and Jack's perception of that's her. That's true. And her, their memories of her. So, you'd think he could at least be like, you can explore this cool technology or yeah. visit you know like y'all can revisit solitudes (laughs) (laughs) how many ways would we like to redo that jack o'neill i think we should go back to that episode that's a good point we're also assuming a lot though of like how this technology works so i don't know it's just a it's one of those things where it's it's an eyebrow razor i guess yeah so i i mean i think there's more story reasons for for sure there are good there are legitimate reasons for it here so Jack punches Kowalski and they escape and run into some of the residents who were looking for them. Mm-hmm. And they, cause they want to know about the outside. And so they're like, Hey, is it really, can we really live out there? And I pulled this just cause it's so teal. It is in fact quite agreeable outside. <laughs> <laughs> I want Teal to be a weatherman. I want him <laughs> to tell me whether or not it's agreeable outside. I feel like Christopher Judge should just like loan his voice to like a Siri style like, I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, Tilk, instead of hey, Siri. And then Tilk <laughs> can just tell me, like, when there's 20 minutes left on my timer. Nice. Yes. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so they tell them that the keeper is lying and that it's totally habitable outside. And and they're, they're kind of up in the air of, like, we don't really know you. Like, the keeper has kept us alive for a thousand years. Why should we believe you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Jack is like, well... I can show you. We'll take you through the gate. And I remember at first I was like, what is this going to accomplish? Like, you know, you're not actually in the SGC. But his plan is if we take them through the gate to P7J989, they'll see the P7J989 of our memories, which was a completely habitable planet. So that's his sort of thought process. But I also think he's strategically trying to force the keeper's hand here a little bit. Um, so they go to dial the gate, but Hammond shuts it down. And then <laughs> there's this great moment where Esjuan just starts chasing Hammond yes. through the SGC. And it's it like- just looks fucking hilarious to see our Hammond, who is so stoic and like steadfast, dart off 
like a little kid. Yeah, it's like legit. They're just playing a game of tag <laughs> through the halls of the SGC. <laughs> uh and then they come upon, so as they're running through the halls, all of a sudden it's not the SGC. They're like in the garden with the pods and Jack is in the pod. And then they wake up again. Yeah. Oh, and At, Hammond turned into the keeper like yeah, yeah. mid-run. Yeah. And and yeah, so then they, they wake up and now Hammond is the keeper and now, and he runs away. <laughs> so the keeper runs away. And they ask him how many years he's been tent how long he's been tending the garden so basically the keeper has known for a long time because he says for many many years because the garden is like maintained it's not like a wild planet that yeah. is just growing and and they ask him why he lies and daniel kind of pegs it so for he uses as an excuse of well we destroyed our planet before i'm worried if i let them out that they'll do it again which is Maybe a somewhat valid concern, but probably not his, like, he's... Not his sole decision. Yeah. To imprison however many survivors of his own planet within a virtual network. Yeah, especially because we don't know how directly responsible those people were for the destruction of the planet. Also, a thousand years is a really long time. That is a really long time. I don't blame them for getting bored. Yeah. Uh, So... The apparently so the keeper basically says that they could have left at any time. They like if they'd kind of done what Jack did and questioned the reality and ran, they could have found a portal and left. And they and SG one could have left at any time. Mm-hmm. But they kind of call him on it. They're like, but then they'd have to know that those portals to leave existed, and they'd have to think that the planet was habitable. Mm-hmm. Neither of which things they knew. So no, you don't mm-hmm. get to act like they could have left at any time. Right. I kind of found, like, I guess, like, the Keeper's motivation overall kind of weak. Like, all right. Yeah. Like, because it was less about the planet and more about his garden very specifically. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't, I don't know. It all kind of it's fell apart at the end. He's a control freak. He's yeah, a control cause, freak. Because that's how Daniel pegs it. He was basically like, you just didn't want to let him out because then you wouldn't be in control anymore. Right. Which is, yeah, because it's, like, still kind of a not a very interesting motivation. Uh, so then like the people wake up and they start waking up and coming out and they go to dial the DHD. And this was an interesting, like the way that it was filmed to me because the DHD was like really far away from the Stargate as they're dialing the DHD. It was really far away. And it was like, the set looked like there was like this mini golf course between Mm -hmm. the DHD and the Stargate. I noticed that too. It really, like, I was like, wow, this looks like a nice mini golf course to play. But uh, as they're dialing it up, you see, like, the people walking out of uh, and exploring the garden a little bit. And I, whatever technology they have must be really impressive that you could be sitting in the same spot for a thousand and years not and atrophy. not have any muscle atrophy <laughs> or, like, thing. bed sores to end all bed sores. Uh-huh. I like the idea of, like, the keeper out there just, like, gently, like, rotating them. Like, when he comes out of his thing, he's, like, taking care of them. <laughs> like, their own little flowers. Yeah. And they are talking to some of the residents and mention that they'll send them supplies, basically. Yeah. Because it's, like, what... We don't know what resources those people are going to have or even skills they're going to have mm-hmm. to then suddenly be needing to take care of themselves. Um. The and the keeper is like super upset that people are walking around picking flowers and stuff and mm-hmm. ruining his garden. 
which again it just makes him look so much worse as if this was really all just about like nitpicky control Mm -hmm. issues that he imprisoned we we don't know how long he said many many years that he's been tending the garden we don't know how long of those a thousand years they could have been right out um but presumably a decent amount of them that Mm -hmm. he's been holding them prisoner basically that that's pretty much the end of the episode Mm -hmm. the keepers just kind of freaking out about everybody messing up his garden they're picking flowers and yeah they kind of like dial up and go home and like that's the end of the episode that's they kind of like leave the keeper like to pick up the pieces i guess yeah like rightly so yeah well well and like i said they give us the throwaway and we always get like oh well we'll we'll keep tabs on you guys Uh and then we we just sort of assume that someone at the sgc is actually keeping tabs on all these people that they're supposed to be keeping tabs on i saw that there's um in atlantis i think it's atlantis there's a reference to this planet and this technology again and they basically say that they harvested this tech to run military training we we get that on SG one in like season. Remember when when Teal'c gets trapped in the game because oh yeah, do they reference this the planet game. and this tech? Oh, I missed mm-hmm. that. The behind the scenes thing that I saw only said uh, Atlantis. Yeah, they do it on SG one as well. They use this the tech again, and Teal'c gets trapped in the game. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that one. It's like season yeah. eight um, when when RDA was. Like, slowly, like, yeah, exactly. becoming less and less. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is the A lackluster episode. All right. Justin, why don't you start us off with a review? I am going to give it, I'm giving it a solid 3.5. Right smack dab That's in the middle. That's more than I expected. Okay. Well, yeah, it's a little higher. I'm going to give it in the middle because it isn't offensively bad. And it's mm-hmm. certainly not good. It's... Truly the most average of average episodes. <laughs> it's a more interesting concept, I feel like, than execution. I actually would yeah. have really liked if they had sped through the, like, first 30 minutes of this episode and done more of the, like, again, if this was a different show, the, like, kind of mindfuck of how do we really know when we're out of the network? Like, this wasn't even a possibility in our minds and, like... Uh how that would have been much cooler in my opinion like to watch so it just wasn't that exciting i don't the the traumas that jack relived like i'm not taking away from the character's trauma that's awful but like wasn't necessarily interesting or it didn't really reveal anything i couldn't have already guessed about jack's past and the Mm -hmm. same for daniel like i guess i didn't really thought about how his parents died but like boy seeing it didn't really do much for me, I guess. I don't know. So yeah, three and a half. It was. It certainly puts perspective on how that could be incredibly traumatic for Daniel, though, right? For sure. Like, as much as we laughed about it, like, what a horrible way to lose your parents. Definitely. Like, holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But, but yeah, you're right. Just... Like, I do feel like it was a missed opportunity in terms of we didn't we. We had we a uh, built situation to get more information about our characters from their past. And first of all, we picked the two characters we already know the most about. And then we didn't learn anything new about them. We already knew Daniel's parents died. And we already knew that Jack was a soldier who lost people before. Like, it wasn't... We didn't get any new information about those characters from the format that was built 
to give us information in an interesting way. And also like coming off of, I guess I'm also probably judging it a little bit harsh. It's honestly the first SG-1 episode I've watched since April. So like Mm -hmm. it was kind of a rough one to come back in on because the first three episodes of this season were so good. Like between, well, I mean, Prisoners Prisoners wasn't good. I liked Prisoners. What did I give it? I don't know what I gave it. You you didn't like it when we recorded I didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't think you did. A little revisionist history. I, I liked it. I take it back. I like it. If I didn't say I liked it, I remember what I said. But I mean, <laughs> Prisoners at least was interesting, like maybe a little slow, but interesting. And then obviously like in the line of duty is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I like this the I like the introduction of Sam, like Sam having some kind of lingering effect of Jolinar was cool. So yeah, three and a half. Yeah. I'm I'm saying it's just a straight average eh episode. I don't rewatch it, okay? It's a three and a half. I would give it like a three, I guess. I think I've always seen this episode like three times, and and I mean mainly for the reasons you said. Just like I mean we've we've and and what Chelsea said, we we there it could have been executed better. Um, and we, I mean, we got information, but we really didn't get in, we we got information, quote unquote, but we didn't get information on characters that we already knew about. Um, I would have much rather learned about Sam or Tilk. Um, yeah, that's really all I got. It was it was lackluster, and we have a, a another lackluster episode coming up. So what's next? Need need the I one word. Remember that where, one. where 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 Daniel, Daniel goes di- in the addiction. sarcophagus? Oh yeah. no! Ooh ooh. Okay, but on the bright side, on the bright <laughs> side, we get Sam and Jack. Down and dirty in the mines, leaning on each other. I think that's a very important thing that we should cling to and hang on to. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll yes, get there. Next but go ahead. Chuck. Next yes, episode. This, this episode, though. All right. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna give it. I think a two and a half. Oh, Just, we, it's getting worse, Esmer. <laughs> I was I trying to really? be more generous. In okay, I'm not judging anyone's rating. We can all rate things, but I feel like we've reserved. Twos and ones for like the truly horrific. She said. She said. She said two and a two half. And it's two and a half. I gave Mom, it a three. Right, I, all right. All right. I gave it a three. I'm giving it a two and a half largely because I think it's such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Like and it like it. It's hard for me to watch because you. There was an interesting concept and not granted. It's not like that unique of a sci-fi concept. Right. But. There are so many more interesting things they could have done with the opportunity of let's do a time loop in our characters' histories. And and I just I think I think it was a missed opportunity and we didn't get to you know, this is season two. I think they got renewed for two seasons. Like yeah, they did. we can really yeah. invest in these people now. Like let's let's dig in and understand our characters and build those relationships. Cause we got little glances of like Teal being supportive of of Jack and Sam being supportive of Daniel, but they could have been really deeply bonding moments of going through these past traumas together and learning things, new things about each other. Cause again, like I don't, yes, the specific circumstances were new to Teal'c, but Teal'c's a soldier too. I don't Mm -hmm. think knowing what it feels like to lose someone that like knowing that Jack had lost people in combat wasn't something that he didn't already know about Jack. And, and Sam already knew that Daniel's parents had died. And again, like, She's lost her mom too. And so I, I think they did a good job of pairing them at least in ways that they could relate well to each other. But but then they have no conversations about it. Yeah, yeah, we don't actually get 
they don't actually take advantage of that opportunity to build these character relationships and those characters. And so I just, it's, I get frustrated watching it because I'm like, it could have been so much more. That's why I really don't enjoy watching this episode because I spend most of the episode like, oh, it could have had so much more. I was also thinking, and again, not to keep ragging on an issue we've already addressed, but like, Tilk has so few lines already. And in this episode in particular, his only lines were like in deference or support of like Jack's story. He didn't really have an opinion. It was more like, Jack, what's going on? And like, you know what I mean? Like it, it it's just, I think there's too many like bad looks in this episode for me. Oh, fuck. I'm going to downgrade my Chevron. It's going to be a two and a half. I've yes. talked myself out of a three and a half. <laughs> I think it's just... It's an episode that doesn't hold up well, and I, I'm not going to keep ragging on the issues that we've already we've brought up, but the more I think about it, the more I'm just thinking, like, because it was when you said that Sam and Teal were, like, supporting Jack and Daniel, and I think that's, mm-hmm. like, the heart of my issue with this episode is, like, it's not that's, not, that's not the relationship. Like, they're a team, and they're equal, and I feel like this was too much of Sam and Teal on the... On the bench. really got relegated to the bench on this. Yeah. As I, I, I said, they're all main characters, and I felt yes. like Sam and, and Teal were not main characters in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, Sam is just standing in the background grimacing for all of those scenes yes. with Daniel. And it's like, mm-hmm. Amanda Tapping does her best to look like an empathetic, supportive friend, but that's all she has to do. Like, what would it have killed to add a line for Sam to be like, Daniel, I can't imagine how this feels. Like, I lost my mom when I was XYZ years old, and, like, this must be hard. I would never want to relive this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, ugh. Yes. that's exactly what i'm saying like it doesn't even take that much to actually have these characters developing emotional connections because they're going through these traumas together guys we write fan fiction i think we know what we're talking about here about how to write (laughs) i don't write fan fiction that's (laughs) jess and chelsea's bag okay you've written at least one fan fiction i've written like two but okay therefore you are a fan fiction writer Uh um okay I have super enjoyed talking to you guys again and, like, hanging out and, like, just seeing your faces has been great. And, like, talking Stargate, you forget what a comforting show. Again, all of our gripes aside, it's a show we love, and I love talking about it with you guys. Um, So our next episode is Need, which we're super excited-ish maybe about. We're really just going to talk about how hot Jack and Sam look all dirty and in close quarters. Well, that's what I'll be talking about anyway, I guess. When she says we, she means her. Okay, you both will be there right there with me, and I know you will be. Um, If you want to reach out to us, oh boy, let's see if I can remember all the things. It's been eight months. If you want to reach out to us and talk to us about this episode, you can email us at chevronslock7 at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at chevronslock7. We are now back in the the tweeter game, and we're looking (laughs) at our accounts again, and trying to be a little more engaged. So if we haven't responded to your message, we will, I promise. If you want to DM me directly, I'm on Twitter at Prof Tenant or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. You can find me, Melanie, on Tumblr as well. I'm a little AWOL lately, but it's uh, my stupid dumb flyboy. You can also find me on Twitter on two places. You can find me at Melanie Martian, M-A-R-S-H-A-N. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Chelsea? They can find me on Twitter at Cahils and on Tumblr at Pianosa2 to the Fighting Ape. 